This is where all our joyrides ended. Our fathers at the wheel, our mothers with picnic baskets on their knees, as we sat in the back with our mouths open. We were driving straight into the sunrise. The country was flat. A city rose before us, its windows burning with the setting sun that vanished as we quit the highway and rolled down a dusky meadow strewn with beer cans and candy wrappers till we came to stop beside an old ford. First, the radio preacher lost his voice. Then, our four tires went flat. The springs popped out of the upholstery like a nest of rattlesnakes as we tried to remain calm. Later that night we heard giggles out of a junked hearse. Then, not a peep till the day of resurrection. Hello and welcome to Words That Burn, the podcast taking a closer look at poetry. This is the first poetry reading of 2023, and sadly, it is a sad occasion. The poet of this week's episode, Charles Simic, passed away quite recently on the 9th of January. Charles Simic was an utterly unique Serbian-American poet. His poetry was known for its evocative visual style and often acerbic wit. He drew much of his inspiration from his childhood experiences growing up in Serbia, where he was exposed to the violence and turmoil of World War II. He was famously quoted as saying numerous times, My travel agents were Hitler and Stalin. Being one of millions of displaced persons made an impression on me. It certainly did make an impression on him and that displaced voice was well honed as a result of his forced emigration from his home country. Simic's journey from Serbia to the United States had a profound impact on his work. His poems often contained themes of violence and conflict, as well as a keen sense of alienation. Despite this, his poetry also contained a deep sense of hope quite often focused through the lens of his adopted homeland, the United States. I chose this poem, Car Graveyard, as I feel it encompasses all that alienation, adaptation and hope in one single piece of verse. I realise that the inclusion of Graveyard in the title is a little on the nose, but I promise that it is not the only reason it was chosen. The car graveyard itself is an unusual image, but Simic's work always explored the intersection between poetry and visual art. Academic Siobhan Scarry argues that Simic's use of objects in his poetry reveals his unique perspective on the world and his ability to find beauty in even the most mundane of objects. His use of objects in his poetry allows him to express obscure feelings more effectively by using a concrete object as a base to provide a sense of comfort and familiarity for his readers. Many of his poems are written around visually striking objects. Here, it is a car graveyard. In this poem, the car graveyard acts as a profound metaphor for aging, hardship and death. 
Car graveyards are exactly what they say on the tin. Huge spaces filled with broken and abandoned cars. In choosing such a non-human symbol of death, Simic sidesteps the severity and grimness of human mortality. And so is free to explore the topic without becoming bogged down in moroseness. It serves a double function though. It's no secret that Simic took to his adopted country with aplomb. Often waxing lyrical about the United States and its inherent vibrancy by comparison to Europe. Once asked if it was love at first sight, he replied, It was an astonishing sight. Europe was so grey, and New York was so bright. There were so many colours, the advertisements, the yellow taxi cabs. America was only five days away by ship, but it felt as distant as China does today. European cities are like operatic stage sets. New York looked like painted sets in a sideshow at a carnival where the bearded ladies, sword swallowers, snake charmers and magicians make their appearances. But these were the impressions of a much younger man. And over time, Simic became more familiar with the realistic side of the US. Coming to understand that the American dream was just that, a dream. And so, the notion of a car graveyard filled with American classics, the Chevrolet, the Cadillac, the Charger, becomes a perfect vehicle for its deconstruction. It is clear from the first stanza, this is where all our joyrides ended, our fathers at the wheel, our mothers with picnic baskets on their knees, as we sat in the back with our mouths open. That opening line is incredibly final for a first line. It leaves us in no doubt as to the theme of this poem. Something has ended. What exactly that is, is unclear, but it is over. There's an interesting use of our for both fathers and mothers. Those parental figures are transformed into communal symbols of sorts. And we realise that the speaker of Simic's poem is addressing all of us. An ending for the masses is revealed then. From there, Simic uses typical imagery for the American nuclear family. The picnic baskets and sleeping children are something plucked straight from a painting by Norman Rockwell. These combined images conjure something distinctly American for the reader. It is idyllic. It is American pastoral. Why Simic would choose such an image is revealed to us with the second stanza. We were driving straight into the sunrise. The country was flat. The city rose before us, its windows burning with the setting sun that vanished as we quit the highway and rolled down a dusky meadow strewn with beer cans and candy wrappers till we came to a stop beside an old ford. We open with words that evoke optimism and ease. The country was flat, a city rose before us. To me, those words evoke Ronald Reagan's famous adage, America is a shining city upon a hill, whose beacon light guides freedom-loving people everywhere. It became a refrain in the president's career and served as a kind of rejuvenation for the American dream. By the 1980s, the whole concept needed a new lick of paint, and Reagan was the one to deliver it. 
Interestingly, it was originally derived from a 17th century Puritan sermon. It is not the only time we will see the use of some kind of religious imagery by Simic in this poem. This potential reference to a famous political speech combined with the Americana from the previous stanza show us that Simic is looking not only at the ending of the American dream, but at the entire concept as a whole. The lines of this section are all at once idealized and yet oddly sinister, at least to me. The sunrise they are aimed towards is a distinctly hopeful note, emerging from the darkness into something better. If we lean on a biographical reading, there's an easy parallel here between this American highway and Simic's own escape from war-torn Europe. In a sense, this is Simic's American dream. The consistent use of that collective pronoun, though, reminds us that he was not the only one banking on that hopeful sunrise. This reading is further backed by the oddly ominous use of the phrase burning windows. Not something you would expect when you are heading towards a shining city. It is a clear reference to the horror of the conflict that ravaged Europe during World War II. Simic admitted in an interview that damaged windows had become something of a symbol of the war for him personally. He stated, Broken windows. I saw a lot of broken windows in my life because of the bombings. There were a lot of ruins of buildings that were bombed, and I played in some of them with my friends. It was terrific, climbing up and down. Those effigies to his childhood vanished as we quit the highway. They were able to stop running, perhaps, to stop fleeing, and finally settle somewhere. The idyllic returns once again, as our car full of dream chasers find their way to a dusky meadow. Dusk is chosen very intentionally here. It is the end. That meadow seems just as hopeful as before, but it's interesting to note that it is not perfect. It is strewn with beer cans and candy wrappers. Our first hint that this American dream may not be all that it seems. The rubbish littered about this stanza echoes Simic's quote from earlier in the episode when he said America was like painted sets in a sideshow at a carnival. The objects littered about here are a reminder that images can be tarnished, that not everything that is painted in bright colours is a positive. The final image of this stanza drives that sense of Americana home. We came to a stop beside an old Ford. In the 1950s, the Ford car became a bizarre cornerstone of American identity. In 1951, in a 1951 article, an American sociologist, Nelson N. Foote, argued that the Ford Model T had a profound impact on American identity. Foote asserted that the Ford Model T was an early symbol of a new American identity one of increased individual freedom and mobility. He argued that the Model T allowed people to travel further than ever before, and in doing so, changed the way Americans related to one another and the world around them. The car became a symbol for the expanding American dream. I don't think this is an accidental image choice. Charles Simic was a man who studied American culture very closely in all aspects 
and was certainly not blinded by his love for his adopted home. He frequently spoke out against the violence committed by the United States in the Middle East. There is another more subtle criticism at play with the introduction of the Ford. Simic calls it an old Ford. Old is intentional as well. It is outdated, past its prime, perhaps the same way that he now views the once expanding American dream. That concept of a fading American dream finds more concrete footing in the final stanza. First, the radio preacher lost his voice. Then our four tires went flat. The springs popped out of the upholstery like a nest of rattlesnakes. As we tried to remain calm, later that night we heard giggles out of a junk hearse. Then, not a peep. Till the day of the resurrection. Another symbol of America is introduced, the radio preacher. This one is admittedly a little bit more Southern Gothic, existing in the time of revivals and early radio in the Deep South. But it is as much Americana as the Ford is. Here, the vim and vigor that once bolstered this holy man's voice is gone. The zeal of America gone hoarse with it. Now, the warm bastion for that nuclear family in the first stanza, the car, suddenly finds itself deteriorating at a rapid rate. The four tires flat, the upholstery giving way. The hope that had carried them towards a sunrise has run out of steam. Indeed, over the next few lines, all of the car becomes a symbol for that collapsed optimism. The copious fragments of Americana becoming twisted and warped. It's a marvel that Simic's very economic prose still manages to evoke powerful, sharp images. We can almost hear the upholstery tearing. As the springs rip loose, they turn into a much more sinister symbol of the United States. A true note of panic injects itself into the poem here. We tried to remain calm. Something is very wrong in the world of this poem. It's a good idea to return to the biographical reading here, as what we are witnessing in this final stanza is a very abstract retelling of the misfortune that befell Simic's family in the wake of their arrival to America. Shortly after his mother arrived and was reunited with his father, their marriage dissolved. You can imagine that as a young boy, you would feel that your world was ending when the divorce of your parents came along. It might even feel like your joyride was over. After that, the final lines of the poem become truly poetic. The occupants have found themselves in the car graveyard, their own vehicle having failed them. They seem stuck in the ruins of their own dream. The car graveyard takes on a whole new meaning. Here, Fords and other American classics, once powerful symbols of the nation's prowess and wealth, are turning to rust slowly. It is the death of both Simic's own nuclear family and of the proud, prosperous future he once looked towards. Here, a strange echo of the past greets our speaker's ears. Later that night, we heard giggles out of a junked hearse. Then, not a peep. I've read these lines a few times and tried to come up with a clear interpretation. Failing each time. 
so I'll give you my best theory. This was a much more personal poem than I originally understood, and the collective pronoun Simic used at the beginning actually refers to himself and his brother. This is the end of their childhood. The giggle, a strange death rattle of sorts. Those giggles were those belonging to the two boys, playing in the waste of the car graveyard. A hearse, no less, much like they did when they were younger, playing the wastes of their own war-torn city. The end of the particular trip, where all their joyrides ended, is the time when reality finally ended the escape that play had granted them. The last line, till the day of resurrection, adds a block of finality to the entire poem. There was no coming back from this in their lifetime. Car Graveyard is not the first time that Simic looked at America in terms of a road. Other poems he wrote used similar imagery of a road to symbolize the journey of America and its people, showing both the tragedy and beauty of the country. What is different this time is the deeply personal undercurrent that drives the narrative. On the one hand, it is the American dream that is on trial in this poem, but on a much deeper level, it is a reckoning with the mundane and grim reality that lies at the heart of it. That grim reality is very similar to the one that we are left with in the wake of Charles Simic's passing. I hope to have shown you just a small glimpse into the incredible poetry he managed to create, and there is so much more where that came from. I've included a few links to my favourites below in the description. I could try to encompass all that Charles Simic was, but I think Librarian of Congress James H. Billington put it eloquently when, on the appointment of Simic as the 15th Poet Laureate of the United States, he said, The range of Charles Simic's imagination is evident in his stunning and unusual imagery. He handles language with the skill of a master craftsman. Yet his poems are easily accessible, often meditative and surprising. He has given us a rich body of highly organized poetry, with shades of darkness and flashes of ironic humor. The passing of such a poet is truly the end of a joyride. What did you think of the poem? I'd like to point out, as always, that this is my interpretation, and I'd love to hear yours. You can get in touch with me in a few different ways. Talk to me directly by email uh, at wordsthatburnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at wordsthatburnpodcast and Twitter at wordsthatburn. There you can find lots of bonus content, mini videos, and upcoming episodes. You can find the script for this episode complete with citations and reference on Substack at the link in the description. If you've really enjoyed the episode, please consider giving me a review wherever you listen. It would really help me out. Even better, if you know someone who would enjoy this episode, share it with them directly. Thank you very much for joining me and listening to me again. <laughs>